Hello, I'm Chloe, a reporter and new model advisor. And today, as part of our forecast digazine, we are talking about multi-asset funds and managed portfolio services increasing their exposure to private markets. Um, so by way of example, we have the JP Morgan Diversified Growth Fund um, holding the private equity house Harbour Vests or the Unicorn Master Trust Fund holding um, Oakley Capital Investments. Um, and joining us today to help us understand the complexities and the opportunities of investing in private assets is Celine Bujak, CityWire's private equity correspondent. Um, so Celine, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Great. Um, so Celine, a um, December 2021 report from the Investment Association found that four out of every five wealth managers in the UK are investing in private assets. And the association also estimates that ultra high net worth exposures to private capital will reach 24 trillion pounds globally um, by the end of 2024. Um, so how have you seen the attitude towards private assets um, from multi-asset fund managers and wealth managers and investors generally kind of change over time? Has it been kind of a gradual process or more of a, a sudden change? Yeah, it's interesting, actually. So um, several years ago, when I was covering the wealth management um, sector, um, there wasn't a lot of mention of private assets most of the time. And the main alternatives exposure that wealth managers and multi-asset fund managers had was to property or infrastructure. Now they seem to be seriously considering private equity, private debts, any kind of private markets exposure. Um and in the last few years, this has really accelerated. I think there was always a curiosity and kind of dipping their toes in and seeing what's out there, um, especially through the investment trust structure in the UK. But now there's definitely a big boom. And there are different ways that um, the fund managers and wealth managers are using to access the private markets. They're getting more innovative nowadays as well. Mm. Can you tell us more a little bit about this investment trust structure that you've just mentioned? Yeah, of course. So um, the UK actually is a um, really good place because there's the investment trust structure. These are investment companies listed on the stock exchange. Um, they're usually small um, companies, so um, investors can trade the shares, obviously, which makes it liquid, even though they can hold illiquid assets. Um, but because they're small companies, um, obviously, they might not trade as much or as often, like, uh, I don't know, Shell or British American Tobacco or whatever big company that you might trade. But it allows investors to invest in illiquid assets, but still maintain the liquidity that um, they would require for their clients. Okay. And so what sort of other investment vehicles are there? So in the UK, I mean, for mo most wealth managers and fund managers, investment trusts would be the most popular. Um, there are also um, traditional closed-ended funds um, that have a lifetime of around 10 to 12 years. So these are more difficult to access for most of these investors, um, individual investors and wealth managers. And um, in the UK now, they launched the long-term asset fund as well, which is an open-ended structure that lets investors kind of redeem um, at certain intervals. And that's now open to um, institutions and high net worth sophisticated investors, so not really open to retail investors yet. 
Mm, okay. Um, something I came across while, while reading a little bit about private equity were also VCTs. Um, is that something as well that is being used? Yeah, so those are um, venture capital trusts, like investment trusts, basically about investing in venture capital, either funds or um, the businesses themselves. Okay, I see. And so what is kind of behind all of, of this and, and this interest in, in investing in private assets? Why is there a growing interest right now? I think there are several factors from what I've seen. One is, of course, performance. Investors believe that there's a greater potential for higher returns in the private markets compared to what you can get from traditional bonds and equity markets. Um, the other is, um, especially for private equity and venture capital, is the fact that companies are staying private for longer so most investors will be missing out on some of the high growth investment opportunities if they don't invest in the private markets. So there's that fear of uh, missing out on the next big apple. Um, also, non-institutional investors um, are now being sold these products more than ever. Like alternative asset managers and traditional asset managers have both realized that there's a big opportunity there um, and they want to get them invested and get that fee income. So there's a lot of product pushing as well. Mm, okay, I see. And so do you think this kind of, I don't know if we can call it a trend, but do you think this is kind of here to stay? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the genie's kind of out of the bottle. I don't think it's just a cyclical move to private assets because of the performance of traditional assets, even if bonds and equities recover. I think people are going to keep private markets as part of kind of a well-rounded, diversified portfolio going forward. Mm, okay. And so you mentioned a little bit about the, the benefits in terms of, of the returns. Can you tell me a bit more about the risks as well, and and also more benefits if there are anywhere any um, of including private assets in portfolios. Yeah, I mean benefits of course, um, higher returns uh, potential and um, diversification as well. Um, but in terms of the risk, I mean you really need to understand what you're getting into. Um, I don't think it's inherently more risky or anything just because it's a private uh, market. Um, but and you're investing through fund managers for a reason, of course, not just doing it yourself. But like any investment, it can go wrong. And the problem in private markets is you might not know for a long time. So, for example, a few years ago, when I first started um, writing about private assets, a company in the US was valued at nearly one billion dollars when it was acquired by a private equity firm. A few months later, the firm had to write down this value to zero and people weren't expecting it, investors weren't expecting it. So there's a bit of a delay in valuations and a delay when things go wrong, so you might not know. Um, and you also need to know that you might not just be able to withdraw your money whenever you want um, as they're illiquid investments. So if you're having a life event or something, or if you expect something to happen in the next couple of years, it doesn't make sense for you to put your money into private assets because you might not be able to liquidate it and get your cash out. Mm. I want to actually talk a little bit more about, about this idea of, of liquidity. What kind of mechanisms or vehicles are there available for investors to take their money out if they want to? So if you go into a traditional close-ended private asset fund, private equity debt, whatever it is, um, the one available route is in the secondaries market. And this has been developing over the last few years and growing, becoming more mature. So that's when an investor in a fund can sell 
their holding in the fund to another investor. Um, but you need to find the other investor to sell to. And these are complicated transactions, so not always very straightforward. You need to value your portion of the portfolio and everything. Um, otherwise, in terms of um, different fund structures, for example, um, some groups have now set up semi-liquid funds where they provide liquidity at certain periods. So these can be quarterly or, I don't know, every month or something like that. So Hamilton uh, Lane has a semi-liquid fund that offers wealth managers, for example. Um, so do you think there'll be a drive towards kind of more flexibility in, in that sort of, um, in that world as, as people become more interested in it with the rise of, of semi-liquid funds that you just mentioned? Yeah, I think for sure there has to be because it's very difficult for um, clients of wealth managers or multi-asset funds to go into these long life 10 to 12 year close-ended funds without knowing what's going to happen. So I think there's definitely going to be a lot more flexibility in the kind of structures that we will see as far as the regulators allow it, obviously. Um, but there's already, I mean, innovation going on in this space. Um, so we'll definitely see more of different types of funds launch in the area. Mm. Do you have any other examples of kind of innovation in, in that area? Sure. Um, so in Europe, for example, Blackstone, which is one of the biggest alternative asset managers, um, has just gotten authorization in Luxembourg to launch in an open-ended private credit fund. So we're not sure what the details are yet as the company hasn't commented um, anything, but it's um, in a SICAV structure it's open-ended and it can be sold to retail investors so we'll see how they achieve that and how they manage liquidity or potential redemption requests but if that works that could be that could be an interesting development okay okay i see and in um november 2021 um the investment association launched the long-term asset fund um what do you make of this particular investment vehicle where does it fit in that kind of universe yeah, I think it's interesting. So the long-term asset fund, um, as far as I know, is um, op open-ended, but um, will allow investors to redeem at certain periods, I think maybe 90 days or something like that. Um, and there was definitely a need for a structure that gets more investors into private assets, but we'll see if it can actually succeed. So I'll be curious to see what people launch under this fund. Um, so in Europe, there's something similar called the European Long-Term Investment Fund that was set up in 2015, and that has not had a massive success so far, though it's had a lot of problems. And now European regulators have proposed changes, which um, I think if they go through, um, then there should be a pickup there as well. And can you tell me more a bit, um, a bit about the, the regulatory barriers that, are, that wealth managers need to be kind of aware of and, and need to contend with? Well, most of the products out there now are only available to institutional investors, really. Um, and some are opened up to sophisticated or accredited investors, so whatever you want to call them. So you need to be careful. They're not just open to any retail investors. Um, though I think regulators are definitely working to see if um, there are ways to get more retail investors, more mass um, affluent investors into these funds as well through new structures, obviously, or even maybe changing the definition of what a sophisticated investor means in some cases. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see. Do you think it'll be kind of as time goes on more and more open to a wide variety of, of investors? 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's the ultimate goal. But as with anything, I mean, when it comes to investing, I think they need to be careful and make sure that they're not selling products that are not suitable to retail investors and people are not just jumping on the bandwagon wanting to, oh yeah, I want to get into private assets and just buying anything that might be out there offered to them. They need to really... um, do their research and know what they're getting into and understand the risks. Mm-hmm. And so um, you mentioned earlier as well that part of the, the reason for the focus on, on private assets is that bonds and, and equities are not really performing that well. Um, what do you think will happen if and when bonds and equities start performing better again? Um, is You mentioned that this would kind of, that they, it will be here to stay, um, but what will happen if, if bonds and equities start kind of giving high returns again? I mean, I don't think investors will suddenly turn away from private assets once equities and bonds pick up again. But obviously, there there's always a constant rebalancing of portfolios going on, right? So that's uh, that's up to the wealth managers and the fund managers themselves to decide. But I think this this um, trend towards um, private asset investing is definitely here to stay. Mm-hmm. And we also meant we mentioned um, regulatory barriers earlier. Are there any other kinds of barriers that are kind of impending the that that trend, or not at all? Um, yes, I mean for a while, technology I think um, was an issue. So basically, with the traditional big funds. Um, they don't really want to deal with thousands of small investors, right? So they wouldn't open it to individual investors, for example. But now um, there are some platforms that have been launched to make the process easier, kind of getting the investors in, doing all the documentation and automizing most of, or automating most of the um, initial process. Um, so platforms like Moonfair and iCapital as well, um, they were essentially set up to get smaller clients into closed-ended private funds. Um, they pool the client's money. They deal with the fund manager. So they're like the go-between. They're the middle person um, dealing with all the administration and everything, making it easier both on the clients and the fund managers. Okay. Celine, thank you so much for being here. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And if you'd like to get in contact with us about this episode, we're on Twitter at New Model Advisor. Or feel free to get in contact with me directly, um, cmelly, M-E-L-E-Y, at citywire.co.uk. Um, thanks again, everyone. And we hope that you enjoy the rest of our forecast Digizine content. <laughs>